Hi, I'm George Tekmachev. This is Easton Podcast number 93. And the big cat is not here today. Uh, he's had a new addition to the family. A really cute little white doggy that he had to run up to Idaho to pick up. And so he's got a perfectly good excuse not to be joining us. Uh, but I do have a couple of great guests in the podcast for today. We've got Tom Dillon, the Secretary General of World Archery, to give us an update on the lockdown challenge and uh, some news about another lockdown challenge that's coming up. And we've got Bruce Cull, the executive director of the NFAA Foundation, the man behind the Vegas shoot, to talk about what's happening with the World Field Championship and a bunch of other initiatives from the NFAA to get archery competition kickstarted again. So without any further ado, let's join Tom Dillon from Lausanne, Switzerland. Uh, you could probably uh, you probably can't hear it in the background, but there's uh, we have these uh, landscape crew comes in once a week and blows the leaves and stuff. Leaf blowers should be yeah, illegal. Yeah. Leaf blowers should absolutely be <laughs> illegal. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah, because it seems to be the, the moment you start blowing them away, they fly back again. Yes, exactly. It's it it's a good way to ensure that you have work security, I think, is, is what the leaf blower is all about. <laughs> <sighs> hey, Tom, thanks for joining us for the podcast today. Um, catch up on a few things since the last time we spoke a couple of episodes ago and some news in world archery, but uh, I want to start by talking about something fun. I was right about Sarah Lopez. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I must admit, I participated in the poll before and I put my vote on Sarah and it was very close the poll before, but uh, seems the majority of men voted, so, so they thought Anders was going to win, but uh, Sarah pulled it off and, and, and Sarah pulled it off a great way because she was shooting outdoor, Anders indoor, uh, and is even at rain. Yeah, I saw it. I heard about the rain. I, I didn't really see it because I had a little trouble with the uh, connection. But uh, yeah, she had she had actual outdoor weather, I guess, is how you might want to put it. Yeah. So pretty cool stuff. Um, she uh, had a pretty good path getting to uh, the final. Uh, I, th I think she, she showed why she is a five times uh, World Cup champion. Uh, she pulls it off when she needs to, and and I think uh, uh, with all respect to to, to Anders, who showed brilliantly the qualification, the two first matches. But when it came to, put, I I remember always when when you asked Sebastian Fruit what is the definition of of archery, he says shooting at ten when you need it, and that's exactly what Sarah did uh, during her three matches. Yes, indeed, uh, she did it against Paige Pierce of the United States. She shot a tie break ten. Uh, when she needed a 10, like you just said. Um, she yeah, did it again and again, and there's no other words to say except that's the mark of a true champion, to shoot that 10 on demand when it's needed under pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've got... Uh, by the way, Paige is, is no slouch. World Archery Field Champion Paige Pierce. And um, so, you know, that was a very high-level match. That's second semifinal. And then with Anders, um, I, I think Anders had a little trouble getting traction going into the into the final. Um, didn't seem to have the same kind of start that Sarah enjoyed. But uh, but hey, you know, here's the thing: it, it has raised the profile of archery. I was telling Steve Anderson, our mutual friend Philip uh, Nall from uh, who lives in uh, Japan, had given yeah. me the heads up that NHK was carrying it. Now that's the national broadcaster in Japan, and. I imagine you have similar stories from other countries. 
uh, it got a lot of attention well, uh, in this situation. It got it got a lot of attention. Uh, so that's one thing we're very pleased of. And also, um, now you're planning a recurve version. Yeah, we, I, uh, we're planning a recurve version, uh, exactly. But one of the things that pleased me most in the whole thing was the, the direction of the eight archers. They were all so thrilled to shoot competition and, and uh, they felt uh, like reborn. And, and I think that enthusiasm came over. Uh, yes, there were some technical uh, glitches from time to time, but I think we managed them okay. And, and okay, it, it, like you said, it got the attention of the media. Um, we had a TV crew in the Netherlands came to see, uh, see the match of uh, Mike. Uh, we had uh, several news stations in Colombia covering it. Claro will cover a, a highlight show in Mexico. Uh, it's, it's, it's been really a success story. And then, okay, and that's the reason, of course, we, we're going ahead with the recurve as well. Uh, and uh, we'll see. The um, the situation as it stands right now is variable in various areas. You know, I, I was talking to my sister yesterday. She's an actress and uh, model and does a lot of work uh, in television and in movies and things like that. And she was telling me that people in her industry now, what's happening is people are sending, you know, agencies are sending packages of technical equipment to directly to the talent in order to... Um, give them a plug-and-play solution so they can create the work and then upload the work and that kind of thing. And, you know, they just send a, a Pelican case full of gear and instructions, I presume. Then they use Skype or whatever for instruction or direction, you know, and it's it's becoming the new normal for that industry. Do you expect that if this does continue for some unanticipated time that WA might come up with something like that as a solution? Well, I think uh, we, we, we already, I would say, uh, had other a pretty solid solution in place for for this event, but we've we've talked with with our production company. We talked with uh, with people that that have the expertise, and it's clear that with some small amendments and and not with a huge budget investment, we can upgrade it to to a much higher level quite quickly. Uh, and it's uh, if we we can't have uh, I would say uh, any real competition. Uh, towards the end of the year, then for sure uh, there will be a follow-up of these two events and and that will then probably be with a higher uh, level uh, uh, production. Sure. I mean, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, that's, a, you know, something yeah. that obviously you're thinking about. Um, shifting gears just a bit, talking about the overall situation for our sport right now, new safety regulations for outdoor archery have been issued by the WA Medical and Sports Sciences Committee um, after the uh, Executive Board of World Archery made a uh, request. And it's very timely because, uh, for example, here in the U.S., uh, as you may have heard from Rod Menzer last week in our podcast, uh, we are making plans to open up a few events. Obviously, distancing is going to be part of that. Um, let Let me preface it by just talking a little bit about how this could mean change in terms of how people are free to participate in events. I mean, it seems like, for example, our national target championship might only have about one quarter the number of available slots that it has traditionally had. Uh, is that the situation that you're seeing in a lot of countries right now? 
Uh, it's 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 difficult to see at the moment. I, most of them are are going with uh, similar uh, uh, rules than the, what we put in place. I we try to stay as much as possible general, because the situation uh, differs from country to country. Uh, there was only I would say one thing we were very uh, I would say uh, clear on is that the distance between targets, uh, and and the fact that you should only have one archer per target really. Uh, and uh, for the rest, I think it's 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 something that you, we really need to see how things evolve uh, and how it, it fits with with the local situation. We had a conference call with all our member associations last week, and we said, okay, if there is something that you feel you can not do, and the rules that tells you you have to do it, get in touch with us, and we see if we can find a solution. Uh, it, it, we, we don't want to, uh, for us, the most important part is, is the safety of the athletes and, and, and uh, there will not be a compromise on that. Sure. Uh, and um, after that, okay, we need to make sure that there is fair competition. Uh, but uh, I, we, we are open for suggestions and, and discussions. And the document really was done to, to help our members uh, because we saw some of them uh, were starting to make documents. Uh, some others were contacting us for uh, help on it. And uh, so we said, okay, let's do it. And, and um, I'm sure um, some people will, will say, okay, it could have been different and so on. But at least there is a document to work with and it will evolve. Uh, because if there's one thing we've learned from this whole uh, situation is that things evolve so rapidly that you can't stand still. No, you're quite right. I mean, you know, one one week we're told one thing and another we're told another, and it's as we learn more information. Uh, let me ask you something very specific because it came up as part of the conversation with Rod and uh, Steve Anderson weighed in on it as well, and that was the question of the wording. It said one archer per target. What does that mean when there are four target faces? Are you really meaning one archer per buttress? Or, I mean, is that the guideline or is it? Well, you understand my uh, point. That, that's... That, yeah, because yeah, no, that means I one think, thing at seventy meters, and it means quite another at fifty. Yeah, and I think these are the practical things we need to discuss with people as such. Uh, I, the thing is, uh, we're talking about social distancing. That's that's the thing behind it. And then there is a second aspect of the the possible contamination of a target face by by someone uh, uh, coughing on the target face and things like that. So there's two different uh, aspects to it, and uh, I think that uh, if you can find a way uh, by having perhaps more rotations um, and, and and using a single target face for the archers, then maybe there is a solution to be found in that way. So you can respect the social distancing and then for the arrow collection, you find solutions with masks or whatever. For example, if you wanted to, I mean, I'm not suggesting this would be a great idea, but you could shoot an ABCD line and actually have one person up there, you know, each one of those for, for that. And then maybe there's a designated situation, have people pull their own arrows, that kind of thing. Um, obviously, yeah. the, you know, the, I think the big thing is you stick your hand on the target face when you're pulling arrows. And I think that's what... That's that's the thing. And, and that's and, and I can tell you, in, I've seen a draft version where it would say, okay, you do not put the hands on the face. And I said, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 that will not work. No. <laughs> we don't want, we don't want, we don't want uh, the next thing to happen is that we have uh, 50 archers in hospitals because 
the target man, uh, butts fell over yeah. uh, when they were pulling back the, the arrows. No, 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 no. Yeah, you end up like a reverse Saint Sebastian. That would not be a good thing. That would be a bad day. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just to clarify, if people are interested, they can go to worldarchery.sport and they can look up the safety regulations for outdoor archery, which is a living document. It's going to be uh, it's going to be updated, as Tom just alluded to. But uh, the, the first version is up there. And that was back on the 8th of this month that that was formulated. And, you know, it's got a lot of the same stuff that you're already used to. Things like uh, wash your hands, uh, social distancing. Um, all of that sort of thing. So, you know, world archery is in the same boat as every other sport. Uh, every sport's got to deal with this. I would imagine wrestling and sports like that have got it worse than we do. So, you know, at oh, least... for any contact sport is in trouble, and especially indoor contact sports. Yeah, I've got friends in jujitsu and some other contact sports, and yeah, it's definitely going to be a longer time before those people can do what they want to do. Um, same thing with gymnasiums, you know, uh, workout places. Uh, those are those are in uh, tough shape right now because they haven't been able to be open, and they probably there's no clear vision as to when they might be again uh, in in a lot of locations. So, a lot of people also, Tom, have come up with their own training plans and equipment at home, and I think that's going to have an impact on that industry as well. I think. Absolutely, I think uh, we, we see. Uh Many people finding all new kinds of tools. Uh, I can imagine the number of home trainers uh, sales have gone up drastically. Uh, yeah, you can't buy a set of kettlebells for love nor money right now. If you want to work out with kettlebells, you're out of luck because you better, you know. So there's good substitutes. I mean, you can get you can get two liter bottles of uh, or, or you know four liter bottles and fill them with water and use those. But you know, it's. Uh, it's, it's remarkable how people have adapted whenever they've had to. And the same is true in yeah. our sport, like you're showing with this lockdown challenge. So, yeah. so talk about the recurve thing a little bit uh, more. Uh, go back to that. Well, so we, we have set a, a date, which is uh, mid, uh, basically the same date, but in June. Uh, and, and we'll have the same number of archers. We'll have the same uh, program. Uh, it, it, is, it will be on 80 meters as well, because... Uh, to keep it interesting, uh, um, we, we can't lose too much time in the archers pulling back the arrows. Otherwise, it becomes uh, very yeah. static. Yep, walking uh, is boring. <laughs> so so we, will, we will stick to 18 meters uh, for that one as well. And so we are, we are now uh, exploring um, who uh, we will uh, invite to participate. Um, we have certain criteria. Of course, we want top archers. That's clear. Uh, but then um, one criteria will be also based on the experience of the, the first one is connectivity uh, and then time zones as well. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to have, uh, uh, I would say, someone from Oceania shooting against someone from, from Europe or from the Americas. So we need to find solutions there. And um, we, we are, uh, we will see, we, we've, we've contacted already some people, we asked them if they are flexible in terms of what time they wake up or go to bed, so we'll see what their reaction is. Uh, and uh, and then as soon as we can, we will announce uh, the participants and, and, and we start again. Sounds like it'll be fun. Also, uh, you've got the uh, sessions coming up for archers pretty soon, uh, the... The workshops, those are those are taking place pretty soon. Yeah, and the last Sunday of the month. Uh, so that's uh, 
we we're very excited about that as well. I uh, I've uh, I would say several people in the office working on it. Uh, I haven't myself uh, been involved, so it will be for me also a discovery. Uh, and um, no, I think it, it's good. It's it's uh, it's really an idea that came from the team, and uh, uh, I really look forward to it. Any other news, Tom, that we need to be aware of before we sign off for uh, this session? Well, I think uh, uh, in, in general, I would say uh, the, the, our, uh, my biggest worry is, is still is how I would say the the national governing bodies will survive. We, we are now in a position that we can say that our, our future is, is uh, guaranteed for 2021 because uh, IOC, uh, together with the Swiss government, made a a new uh, proposal that will help us uh, get uh, through till we get uh, revenues from from Tokyo. So on that side, we are okay. But my, my bigger worry is now how will the clubs and and the national governing bodies survive? Because uh, I know many of them uh, are in serious trouble uh, or have to reduce drastically the number of people they have. And in the end. If you have less people in the federations, you have less services, so you have less people wanting to join the organization. And, and it's a, a vicious cycle, and, and we need to make sure that, that people understand that um, they, they need to really support their organizations, otherwise uh, it's going to be very tough for them. Yeah, I don't want to be uh, negative, but the fact is that if we don't support our national governing bodies and clubs now, they won't be there for us when we are ready to go back to full exactly. outdoor competition or indoor competition later. And nobody wants that. So I think the best thing, we brought this up before, the best thing you can do, maintain your membership, volunteer for events when they're available, and do what you can to support your national governing body and local governing bodies as much as you can, because you want them there. Uh, we're all going to want to go back very much so. Um, you know, before we start... Yeah, and if you saw the, the, the... Coming back to what I said at the beginning, if you saw the enthusiasm... Over Sarah and Mike and 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 uh, all of them, uh, Paige, uh, Toya, uh, it it really I you saw their smile, you saw their enthusiasm, and, and yes, yeah, some lost, some won, but in the end, it didn't matter. They had a they were able to compete, and that makes a huge difference. Having uh, I would say fun, and then they really lost that that pressure. It's, it was amazing to me. Sure. And, you know, multiply that by the thousands and thousands of people who are eager to get back into competition. Before we started actually podcasting, you, you and I were talking, I was telling you here in, in the state of Utah in the United States, uh, things opened up last weekend and it looked like a traditional holiday weekend with so many people enthusiastically going out with their families and camping and picnicking and doing things like that. And uh, people are waiting and eager to get back on the line and shoot arrows. And I think that uh, the it would be tragic if we didn't have a place to do it or a organization to do it with if that was one of the fallouts of this difficult situation. So just, uh, you know, keep in mind that while everybody is dealing with their own... And also, I think it's... The, uh, Go ahead. Oh, sorry, it was reconnecting. Um, no, I think what is what is important is that uh, uh, we communicate. And I think the, these initiatives like... Uh, uh, what you're doing with with the podcast are important because it, it allows us to, to communicate with a large audience and, and uh, keep them aware of what is happening. And then um, I had today a conference call with uh, our continental associations uh, together with our president. And and 
it's it's something we haven't done for for a long time and in uh, because we were talking about uh, the future and not just about 2020 and 2021, but beyond that and, and see how we can better communicate and better work together to have uh, an even better situation and, and take the advantage of um, the time we have now to, to develop new things. I, I, one thing that, that uh, might be interesting for, for the audience to know is that uh, together with our results team, we have now uh, imported all the continental records um, into our database. So when uh, someone will break a continental record at an event, uh, it will not be automatically recognized. And, and also uh, we, we end up with a, a much better biography of the archers concerned because they will not only be the world records, but also the continental records. That's really good because, you know, when I've been announcing at events, it's easy to see if somebody is getting close to a WR and you can follow that and share that with the audience. But it's been, you know, some some continental associations are better than others at maintaining that kind of thing. Uh, Asian Federation is pretty good at it, for example, but uh, some others aren't. And now, because it'll be part of the WA database, that kind of information is going to be available to more people more easily. That's great. And that's the kind of initiative that you have time for when you're not, you know, running a million miles an hour from one event to another. Uh, so one of the Silver linings of our cloud. Shifting gears now on the podcast, let's have a chat with Bruce Cull, the executive director of the NFAA Foundation, the man behind the Vegas shoot, and a whole lot more. Bruce, thanks for joining us from South Dakota. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, George. How are things going in South Dakota? You know, going good. Um, our state got pretty fortunate. You know, we're small population-wise, so, um, you know, the pandemic um, hasn't really hit us too hard. And, um you know, I think it's fortunate where we are. So Yeah, I, I guess I can say the same thing about Utah, and there's plenty of other places that have not been hit hard. Of course, we're thinking of our friends in places that have been and those who've lost people, and uh, our sympathies obviously go with that. But uh, the, Yeah, the, absolutely. The, the good news, though, is things seem to be opening up um, across the globe. That kind of gives us a little bit of breathing room and maybe some possibility of... Uh, opening up a few things that we maybe thought hadn't had a good chance of being opened up. We'll talk about some of that later in the show. But let's start out by uh, talking about something that's pretty cool, and that is that the NFAA is, forgive me for saying it, kind of following in World Archery's footsteps a little bit. You're looking at some virtual tournaments, aren't you? Yeah, yep, actually we are. We, you know, from the very beginning, um, when, when our, with our first big hit was the National Indoor, which was in Louisville this year. And of course that hit um, right at the peak of everything starting to close. And, you know, one of the options that we had always talked about in the survey we had done with our 2000 people that participate in that tournament was to talk about a virtual tournament of some sorts. And, of course, we had no idea at that time what that really meant. Um, and I think, you know, to put it in perspective, um, nothing's nothing's set in stone yet, but it, we're sure pursuing the potential to, over the course of, you know, sometime in the next 30 days or so, to come out with a plan to let all the divisions participate at all of our NFAA-certified indoor ranges um, and, and, and have a virtual tournament of that sort. So, you know, I think the, uh, 
the whole idea would be, uh, you know, and it's somewhat similar to what our sectionals would be um, and or what like USA Archery does for their national where people can shoot all across the country. And of course, they can abide by, you know, their local governing bodies, whether they can only have so many people in at a time and the social distancing and all that. Um, So we're kind of excited. And then I think the one exception that we would have to that is that um, we would like to have, you know, our pro divisions, all of them compete, yet face-to-face and head-to-head. And we'd probably be looking at doing that right at our headquarters here in South Dakota, um, you know, sometime in the September-October range. Uh, you know, like I said, nothing's set in stone yet, but we have uh, one other tournament that we haven't done anything with, and that's our national target. Um, that's an outdoor tournament, of course, when we shoot the 900 and the 600 round, and that's scheduled for September. And the home of that is always, in, in Yankton, that, right? Yeah, and that's all in Yankton. So, you know, it may be um, that we are able to pull that off together, and, and mm-hmm. you know, that's what we're working on right now. So, And I think it's got some good potential. The, uh, the ability to use all the clubs that we have with all the indoor ranges would just be awesome for everybody. Um, the, the one problem that we've all had, uh, from the NFA standpoint has been that if we have something called a national, um, it's going to be a national. Everybody's going to be able to participate. That's the one thing that I think I've been strongly in support of. And everybody else has that, you know, we don't want to, if you can't do it in New York, then it's not really a national. If you can't do it in California, it's not really a national. And I think this would be awesome because obviously things are opening up. And, you know, I think things will work out to where we can do that. And that you can have that universality through the states, uh, you know, kind of level playing field. Yep, absolutely. You know, and indoor is one thing. Of course, that's almost impossible to do outside. But, um, you know, indoors, and at least we would be able to, um, let's say we had a year when we couldn't have an indoor. So, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Okay, so that's a, that's a good thing. You know, one, one interesting thing, I was talking with Tom Dillon, um, and kind of a silver lining to this in a way is that our sport is seeing some exposure that it might not have gotten in a normal time because the networks across the world, not just here in the United States, are kind of starving for sport content. And as a result, things like the uh, World Archery Lockdown Challenge got television coverage on mainstream media in a lot of countries around the world. Do you anticipate the possibility that some of the NFAA activities might possibly get televised? Is that something that might possibly be worked on? Yeah, I think, you know, that's something that we definitely want to explore. And, you know, that's uh, a moving target. Like you said, um, a lot of the networks are, you know, starving for things. You know, I know that, um, you know, World Archery's contract with, um, you know, NBC Sports is, is something that would be considered. And, of course, if we have a major event, um, and, a, you know, that September one may be just a great one because something that's indoor, obviously, is a lot or, or with fewer participants, I should say. It's much easier to coverage from a network standpoint. So, yeah, that could be, uh, you know, a very promising thing and, and could get us some great exposure. Absolutely. So uh, moving on. June 1st, as we record this, it's the day before Memorial Day, Sunday, the 24th of uh, May. And you've got some, uh, I'll I'll call them benchmarks or um, timeline, you know, uh, items that you need to hit in the next week. One of them being what has been the June 1st decision date for the World Field Championship. And um, I think maybe you've got some developments there. Yeah, you know, it's, it's once again, talk about moving targets. I mean, you, 
turn on the radio and things change day to day. So it's it's really difficult. But one of the issues that, um, you know, with our world field, which is tentatively still scheduled for, you know, late September, um, I, I, I don't think we're going to have an issue as far as our venue here. I think that the problem that we really have to take into consideration is, you know, number one, you know, how many people for a world event can and will come to it. That's, you know, that's, yeah. I think, one of the big ones. International um, travel will certainly be one of the yeah. things. But, you know, presuming that things are moving on the current trajectory as they appear to be, um, that could resolve itself reasonably quickly. So are you looking for some wiggle room on that decision date? Yeah, you know, yeah, that's a possibility. And, I, you know, I haven't spoken to Tom um, about that. We kind of alluded to it. But one of the things that I really want to do is uh, because I think it, doing our due diligence at this point in time is of paramount importance. Um, I want to have um, one of our employees here on our LOC try to make contact with, you know, all the countries that attended the last World Field in Italy and, you know, those that show an interest and that normally shoot the tournament just to find out, you know, if there's a potential they can make it. Um, you know, we, we have some wiggle room with dates um, as far as the actual event. We have a little wiggle room, I think, with delaying the decision for even a couple weeks or 30 days. Um, and I think by finding that information out, it's going to be super important. You know, um, the, the one thing we don't know is how the 40 countries that normally participate, you know, what their financial situations are, if they can even leave. Um, if they come to this country, you know, do they have to be quarantined for a while? You know, there were just a lot of things we don't know. And I think trying to gather that information um, is something that we definitely need to do. And, of course, we couldn't really do it in the past because things were changing too rapidly. So uh, I think that's kind of what we're looking at um, is trying to really do our due diligence there to find out it'll work. You know, the, the other issue to it is um, – if we bring all the people to this country and, you know, locally uh, here in South Dakota where we're hosting it, if all of a sudden there's a big outbreak um, after they've been here, uh, <laughs> regardless to what caused the outbreak, you know who's going to get the blame? Archery. Um, and that's one thing we really have to pay attention to also, um, you know, and, and for that matter, for the whole country. So, yeah, it's just a, a lot of things to consider. Sure. No doubt. Sure. And so do you think that, say, hypothetically, if you had an extra month, you could get in touch with all those federations, feel out the situation, determine who's willing to come, who's eager to come. And by then, we'll also have more information about what's opened and the, the trajectory of this thing. And, and maybe that would be a better time to make a final plan because – It'll still leave you with uh, what a month and a couple of weeks. Uh, two, oh, actually, or two, two seventy-five. Months. Yeah, seventy-five days, uh, yeah. which is you know, and the one thing that we are realizing, we've already done some research on flights internationally and what's flying, what's not flying, what's projected. Um, you know, some of their rules and regulations, and you know, one thing that is going to be a big change for us, I think, is that. The, uh, we normally buy airline tickets so far in advance, you know, to get the best price. I think that may be something of the past. Yeah, um, that's a dynamic that's definitely <laughs> in flux right now. That's a moving yeah, target. You, 
you can buy tickets um, by walking in the airport right now pretty cheap. Um, so, you know, a lot of that's changing, and, and that's just all going to have to be taken into consideration. Yeah, I can relate to that a little bit. I've got a seminar scheduled at the World Archery Excellence Center in Switzerland in August, and so we're planning the logistics for that right now. And, you know, flights are... Uh, cheap that would be one way to put it and so yep. you know it could be that this is a, a nice confluence of things to decrease the cost of getting to yankton for a lot of people and maybe that'll be a consideration on the positive side yeah absolutely lots to consider there for sure okay so um can i read between the lines and say that maybe you and tom Dillon will have a chat sometime soon to see about whether that june 1st decision date might be changed possibly yes yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's on my priority list. Um, hopefully he hears from me before he hears this podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom's a good level-headed guy, and he's going to do what's best for archery. So um, I think that's just something we need to talk about. And, of course, you know, the other thing that affects to a lot of your listeners um, is what that does for the USA Archery, uh, you know, world trials. Um, those are scheduled right now for the um, middle of July, and, you know, if we wait until closer to July, that's probably going to affect that. And, you know, um, I, I've been working with, with Rod at USA Archery and, and we're talking about everything changes, you know. So sure. hopefully if we do something later, you know, we could make a change there or, or something along that line, too. Well, both the NFAA and USA Archery have an exceptional staff that's capable of turning on a dime when needed. And I expect that there will be great cooperation there to try to make sure that if the decision is to go forward, that that will go as well as it can. And um, we'll just yes, absolutely. the best. Yep. You know, and I, we're all hoping for the best for our sport and for us to get back to some level of normalcy and to get back to getting out on the line, seeing our friends shooting with World Archery's latest guidelines of social distancing and stuff. The hugs might be down a little bit, but certainly the opportunity for competition will will come up sooner or later. And yes. um, so projecting the future a little bit, I, I kind of want to wrap up with you by talking about some positive stuff going forward. And one of those, it looks like Vegas as a city is opening up pretty soon. Uh, if it, yes. And, and it looks like, you know, preparations for Vegas 2021 are underway as they are all year round. It's a full time, practically a full time thing to prepare the Vegas shoot. Can you give us an update on where things stand? Yeah, you know, we're, we're moving along um, somewhat business as usual. Um, and, and you're right, uh, we just got official notification from the South Point that they're opening, um, I think it's June 4th. Um, lots of regulations down, you know, the, the city of Las Vegas. Um, I've kind of waited because to me, you know, Vegas and Orlando are the real guinea pigs of, of large gatherings to me, you know, for, for our country, I think. Yeah, Orlando and, being um, a huge place for not just Disney World, but also you've got a lot of conventions going to places like Orlando. Yeah, I mean, that's the two largest convention cities we have in this country. And, of course, I think Vegas is still the largest in the world. So we're going to see a lot um, as they open up you know, events and square footage and, and, and how they do things and react. It sounds like they've got some excellent plans. Um, you know, it, it'll be a baby steps, you know, without a doubt, but it, it's sure positive because, you know, even though Vegas is uh, a long ways away, it's a lot shorter <laughs> from my perspective than, you know, than most people's. But I think, uh, 
you know, if nothing else, uh, I think the good part about Vegas will be it, it's still going to be looked upon as, you know, one of those events that uh, people are just going to do it. You know, if, if they have to cancel everything else and miss other things, um, I think that's the one when, you know, as, as long as Vegas, the city is safe, um, I think people are, are going to come out and make that one of those things that happens. And, you know, we're working on it. As, as best we can right now. Well, certainly if any city has a vested interest in making itself perceived as as safe as possible and implementing the reality of that, it's got to be Vegas. I mean, they're, they're going to pull every stop to make sure people feel safe and comfortable there and that they truly are. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they've some of the, you know, the, the South Point was closed for, I don't even know how many days, uh, pretty close to a couple months. And um, it was interesting because I talked to a lot of the people there that are working and they said that they kept quite a few staff on and, and did a lot of, uh, you know, upkeep and maintenance and remodeling. And, um, you know, they've done a lot of things that they put off normally. So it, that was nice that the owner kept them on and working. And, um, you know, I think they're, they're just ready and, you know, I, I think it's going to be awesome. So, yeah. So I know that, you know, we're, we're looking ahead a little bit here, but you know, one of the things in a time like this is that people need things to look forward to. And I, I really feel very strongly that Vegas is one of those things that people in the archery community look forward to and plan on every year, plan for way ahead of time. And so I don't think it's too soon to be talking about it. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, we're we're excited. We've got you know some new things in the works that um, we'll be able to announce here before too long. And uh, you know, I I, I think it's going to be great. Um, you know, when this all happened, I was like, oh my goodness, at least it's that far away. Well, things are going. You know, <laughs> things have been prolonged. And uh, however, I, I think that um, at least for the timing of Vegas, I think we're sitting in a pretty good position. So. You know, that's that's about when it started last year. You know, if, if everybody remembers, uh, you know, we had three countries that were not able to come. Including um, Korea. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, some South shooters Korea. from Korea, yeah. Yeah, South Korea, China, and um, there was one other one that didn't come, you know, directly because of COVID-19. So, um, you know, that's it, that's a good year, and, uh, you know, hopefully things will run their course and we'll be able to move forward with an excellent Vegas shoot. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let me ask you about something that might be a little more in the uh, purview of Brian, uh, the NFAA president, but uh, sure. you, know, you know a lot of stuff about what's going on at the NFAA, of course, and uh, yep. clubs. Let's talk about that for a second. What is the status overall? I know it's state by state, but what's the health of clubs from your point of view right now? How are they doing? Well, good. You know, that's actually something that we're doing. Um, for those people that don't know, you know, we hired Erica Jones, and I think that name's kind of an archery household name. Absolutely. Um, Royalty in our she, sport. <laughs> yeah. And she's been, uh, you know, she's smart as a whip, and um, she has been working as an outreach director for us and um, basically contacting all the clubs and pro shops that we have all across the country and contacting some of those that haven't been, you know, active in the recent years and, you know, checking with them and we're getting excellent reports back. And that's all part of what we're doing for this virtual indoor tournament, um, you know, to make sure that they're up to speed and certified and all that type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, everything that we're getting back, we don't have it completely done yet, um, but that's due here very, very soon. And, uh, you know, it looks like the clubs are, you know, holding their own, um, which is really good. I think, uh, you know, a lot of them having outdoor ranges, they've been able to get out and keep members active and, that you know about keeping our members active too so 
Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good thing. I think that's uh, hasn't been hurt as bad as some things could have been if the timing would have been a different time of the year. So, well, that's positive news, and I appreciate it, Bruce. Bruce Cole, yeah, I want to I want to thank you for joining us from Yankton um, on a Sunday, especially, and uh, I look forward to talking you with you again when you got more news about World Field. Sounds great, George. Well, thanks for having me. Always great talking with one of the busiest people in our sport, Bruce Cull. Hey, folks, I know that uh, we put up a Facebook post soliciting your questions, but I figure what we might want to do is hold off until next week when Steve will be back in the office and we will tackle your questions at that time. That way you get the perspective from uh, both of us for what little it's worth. And also we'll select the winner of the photo caption contest at that time. That post, if you're wondering, is at Easton Target on Facebook. So thanks for joining us today on the Easton Target Archery Podcast. We'll see you again next week.